Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, August the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we clean up some notes that we missed from the initial recap show and the second watch of Miami's loss over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including the great Michael Dieter debate, some formational clues, and some teaching tape from some tryhards. Plus, we'll give you 25 observations from the first 25 days of the 2019 Miami Dolphins season. And is Brian Flores' message going to work? Thoughts on that and a whole lot more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Fins for all of our content that's up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the reigning number one blog in the entire Locked On Network. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Fantasy Football podcast with Vinny Iyer. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, your daily podcast on all things fantasy football, available wherever you get your podcasts from. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so the big debate began on Saturday morning, I suppose, about the level of play that we saw from rookie left guard Michael Dieter. And I first started off with my initial observation, which again, granted, give me a little bit of a break on this because watching 90 guys live in real time, taking the videos, doing the analysis, there's going to be some things that I miss. That's why I go back and rewatch the game. And I said, this guy's not ready for starter duty. And I think that might still be true. Now go watch him against guys that are going to play a lot on Sundays. Listen to the reports from the joint practices, from my own reports, from actual practice. He's been struggling with the vets across from him that will give him the real difficulties come Sundays on the regular season. Now he has had some success against those guys, but primarily a lot of his good work has come against the twos and the threes. Now, I don't think he was awful like some of the guys that cover this team mentioned, but he definitely did not earn a 91 or an elite grade by any stretch of the imagination. He's still out there lunging out of his stance a little bit too much. He's on the ground way too much, but he is doing well with combination blocks, whether that's passing off in pass protection or second level climbs and getting to the linebackers in the running game. And he does do a good job of walling off and understanding leverage in the run game too. So that's what I picked up with a strong focus on Dieter and a second watch of this game and now I want to just go over my notebook here and detail some further notes from that rewatch and we start with the Dolphins opening up the very first play of the game in a 4-3 under package and what that means is you're going to have the strong side linebacker come down on the line of scrimmage to the strong side of the ball over the tight end in this case that was Nick DeLuca so you're looking basically at what amounts to a 5-2-4 base type of defense. The best indicator for a 4-3 under front opposed to an over front is that the strong side tackle, the guy on the play side, is going to play a one technique 
which just means he plays off the outside shoulder of the center, whereas in an over front, you're going to have that play side tackle play more of a three technique or a two eye technique. And in that position, the nose tackle at the one tech was Christian Wilkins. Devon Godshaw is the backside tackle, the two eye, and you've got Tank Herodine and Charles Harris as the ends with Jerome Baker and Sam Aguavin as the two off ball linebackers. Then in the secondary, you got Nick Needham, Eric Rowe, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Bobby McCain. Figured to replace Nick DeLuca with Raekwon McMillan and Nick Needham with Xavier Howard in that lineup. So it's pretty interesting what they've done so far throughout preseason and training camp. They'll continue to put more fronts and more looks in as we go forward. Another one of those looks is going to be when the strong safety, Minka Fitzpatrick in this particular case, comes down into the box. They're going to show a single high cover one or man free look. And then Minka at the snap, who is about six or seven yards off the ball, is going to bail out deep into a two-man coverage and play two safeties over the top with man coverage underneath. And that really helps the Dolphins funnel their trail techniques underneath the cornerback and chase the receivers into the help defense. It's all about playing together and we should have less communication issues on the defense this year. Some individual notes. I thought Preston Williams, despite his difficult night, showed some of the things you like about him. And one of the things that I really like about him is the way he uses his hands to keep himself clean, both at the line of scrimmage and at the top of the route. Some of these corners are going to get grabby on him because he's so large and he does well to fight those hands off and keep himself clean. You guys saw me be critical of Josh Rosen on Twitter. I thought there was a lot of progress in his game and positive signs, but I still think he's a beat late at times. I put a video up on the third down and nine pass, third and goal from the nine yard line to Mike Gesicki, where he reads a corner blitz. He knows what he has. He knows he's got an out route to Gesicki, who's going to free up against outside leverage. And he's just a beat late on that throw. It's still good. It gets him down to the two yard line. But I think if he is a hair earlier, Mike Gesicki can catch that pass and score a touchdown to the pylon. Just trust your eyes, young man. You're seeing it right. Let it rip. We've got some hustle plays to talk about on the defensive side. The first one comes from Eric Rowe, who really didn't get tested in this game, which is a good thing for an outside cornerback. But on the Sam Aguavin forced fumble, Eric Rowe hustled and rallied to the ball and got there right on time as that ball came loose and picked up the fumble. That's a very good teaching tape and a very good example of the Patriot way, quote unquote, to inflict some of these lessons on these younger Dolphins defensive backs and defenders and players in general. And one of the players that's rubbing off on to me is Jamal Wiltz, who for my money is on this team. He's been versatile inside, outside. He does a lot of stuff in zone and man coverage. And there was a great play on third and eight where he took the tight end and man coverage, turned his back to the quarterback. But once the tight end broke off his route, Wiltz knew the quarterback had broken the pocket. So he turns around, locates Blaine Gabbert, who is not fleet of foot. Don't get that twisted. But he came up and it looked like Gabbert was going to have a first down run. But Wiltz put an end to that, made an open field tackle. Very good instincts, very good recognition, and very good tackling there. And going back to the guy that really earned the number one game ball on the night for the most impressive performance, Charles Harris, you watch a lot of the reps where he got into the backfield with speed, but also with power. A lot of the things you're seeing him do are exactly what this coaching staff wants defensive linemen to do. Keep your hands in front of your eyes, really throw that strike out there first and showing that two gap discipline to keep your eyes into the backfield and disengage in either direction, throw that blocker off of you and make the play. Charles Harris is really doing a great job of that in both aspects of the game. 
And just one last individual note here before we get into segment number two and the 25 things we've learned through 25 days. Jason Sanders, we know how quantifiable his kicking is as he makes pretty much everything he puts up into the air right down the middle of the uprights. But he has now worked on angling kickoffs into the coffin corner on kickoff team, an old punting phrase, and he's getting exceptional at that too. This guy has been an absolute diamond, a gem in the rough, and it's a good thing we have him for two more years on a cheap contract. He's going to require an extension pretty soon, I do imagine. But Jason Sanders having a hell of a camp following up a great rookie season. And I talked about that column up on LockedOnDolphins.com, written by yours truly. It details 25 things we've learned from the first 25 days of preseason and training camp. This whole thing started 25 days ago back on July 25th. Some big, some small. But first, if you want to go from small to big, you know what's coming. You've got to check out BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Blue Chew is made in the USA, and since they prepare and ship direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. a busy month here in the Locked On Dolphins podcast, but things are really taking off for us, so I really appreciate all the support, all the listens, all the downloads, all the clicks on the website. It's been a really fun time covering this team for you guys here in 2019, but on Saturday, I had a chance to get away with the misses, and what a great little one-day getaway it was. We live about an hour and a half from a place called Hood River in western Oregon, and if you guys ever get a chance to come up to the Pacific Northwest, you gotta check out Hood River. It's right on the Columbia River. We did a drive up there, went and got some great lunch and beers at a brewery, went on the water with a kayak. We wound up at a great whiskey bar and then concluded the night at an awesome sushi restaurant down there on the water. So if you guys ever get out this way, Hood River, Oregon just cannot be beat. And just to kind of disconnect for me from Twitter for a day and the grind of all this stuff. Don't get me wrong. Love this job. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But to be able to disconnect for a day was super nice. I also had a chance to brainstorm an article idea, which I punched out for you guys on this Sunday evening titled 25 Things We've Learned 25 Days into the 2019 Miami Dolphins season. And I consider myself somewhat of an authority on this team this year because frankly, I saw almost every practice they had and it was really helpful for my own knowledge bank to watch the way these practices are conducted, to watch the way these guys play in these practices, to watch the way the coaches coach in these practices. I just feel like I have a better grasp this year of this team than really I ever have. And I wanted to go over some big things, some small things, some discouraging things, some encouraging things. And I did that on the article here up on LockdownDolphins.com. And we'll go over it here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. 
And as I am wont to do, I always start with the good things, the big things in this case, and we start with Xavier Howard. Money well spent on this guy because he has been everything as advertised, completely locked down, still taking the football away. And the only times he really gets beat are in these joint practices and one-on-one -on -one periods. And those really are unjust periods because the receiver has the big advantage. So Xavier Howard, well worth all that money. And big point number two is that Laramie Tunzel is next in line to get his big payday. He's a set and forget kind of guy. So much comfort with his play at left tackle. You don't even bother really watching him. You put him out there on an island. He's going to handle it. Laramie is totally totally fine doing anything you ask him to do on this offensive line. The feet, the hands, the strength, the athleticism, the quickness. You take a trip to Tunzel Island, which is an island because they rotate protection away from him and keep him one-on-one. -on -one. If you're going to go to Tunzel Island as a pass rusher, you're going to have a bad time. Big thing number three, Jerome Baker and the glow up. And I thought that he had a great rookie year, was promising, but nobody could have seen this coming this fast. He has been sensational, a strong debut rookie season, but wasn't even a full-time player last year. And he had those vulnerabilities, but now we see him blitzing, covering, defending the edge as a run stopper. He has been terrific in all three phases. The fourth big thing, Josh Rosen, signs of life. And I've been kind of down on this guy throughout camp, through the practices, through the offseason, but he's continually gotten better. He's showing progress each and every day. And I think that he's only going to continue on that trajectory this season. Now, he's going to have to be great this year for the Dolphins to balk at the 2020 quarterback class, but he's getting himself going in the right direction, speeding up his reads. The accuracy is getting better. You can tell there's a better comfort level in the offense so far. And I think that's the biggest thing we can watch all season long, monitoring Josh Rosen's consistency and progress in 2019. Number five, the last of the big things here, the pass rush scheme to me, like Xavier Howard, is as advertised. You say goodbye to Cam Wake and Robert Quinn, that's going to take a lot of juice off the edge of your defense. And those departures, coupled with the unsubstantiated rumors of interest in Trey Flowers, kind of confirmed the shift to a new scheme that relies on games, stunts, twists, and blitzes, gap integrity, and that blitz package to get after the quarterback. Jerome Baker consistently running free at quarterbacks. Charles Harris, Christian Wilkins, Tank Carradine, Dwayne Hendricks, Jonathan Ledbetter, a host of guys are getting pressure on quarterbacks. And we've got nine sacks already so far this preseason. The next bullet point are encouraging things. And we start with Preston Williams. And he would have been in the big things category had he continued his success into that game against the Bucks. He didn't do it, but I'm not worried about it. I talked about his handwork in the first segment of the podcast, the big catch radius. I think he gets out of breaks well enough. He's not great, but smooth enough for a man of his size and stature that he can really produce in this offense. You saw him uncover and get open. Just got to catch the football and we'll be all good to go. Number seven on this list, Sam McGuavin. The Canadian pipeline still flowing, going back to the Cam Wake days. And there are minor warts in his game. Sometimes interior run defense is not his bag, but he's looking great off the edge. He's really fantastic in coverage. He can check the flat and come down and close on the ball like we saw him force that fumble in the game, but he can also fall off 15 yards into the deep dig portion of the field where the X receiver can take a dig route 15 yards downfield and he can get into that passing lane. A really good looking player. 
player here at linebacker for the Dolphins. And of course, he's got a three-year contract through 2021, so maybe a huge steal there for the Miami Dolphins. Number eight, Bobby McCain. This is no longer an experiment. He is a safety. And when you watch the broadcast version, it's tough to even know that Bobby McCain's playing in these games because he's going to be 12 to 20 yards off the ball. And the interest of the offense against the Dolphins going vertical, the lack of interest, is a testament to Bobby McCain's acclimation to this new job. He worked all camp to flip his hips, get proper angles to help his coverage, his cornerbacks in coverage rather. He has the makeup to do it. So far, it's working out for him. And I think that he's having success because, well, we're not hearing his name. Number nine, Mike Kosicki playing to his strengths. And I think a lot of folks are writing this guy off because maybe he hasn't had the big production so far. But he looks good to me. He's flexing out into the slot and plus splits, which puts him out beyond the numbers on the field. And in the passing game, he is uncovering pretty regularly. He's got five targets this offseason. He has three catches, and the two ones he didn't catch were misfires by the quarterback. He's creating separation. I think he looks good so far as a pass receiver, which is what he was drafted here to do. Number 10, Jonathan Ledbetter has an aptitude for the scheme, the eye discipline, the heavy hands, stout at the point of attack, much like Devon Godshaw. He's good in those areas, and that's the prototype for defensive linemen in the scheme. He plays with his hands out in front of his eyes, that low pad level, that quick strike, and really adheres to the responsibilities of a two-gap scheme. He is a UDFA that's going to be on this roster and going to play some snaps on Sundays. The last bit here in this segment, number 11, Jason Sanders is money in the bank. We talked about his kickoffs. He's also four for four on field goals. Those are 45, 48, 49, and 23 yarders. Has not missed a PAT. He just looks the part so far in the second year of his career here in Miami after a dominant rookie season as a kicker. And then there's some things that just are kind of things. Number 12 is that Michael Dieter and Shaq Calhoun, their placement on the first team offensive line kind of tips the Dolphins' hands because they both excel in the running game and struggle in the passing game. This team wants to run the ball. That's pretty obvious. I think we're going to see more of that going forward. And number 13 kind of coincides with that. Chandler Cox, 21 personnel. Now, Cox has been on the field a lot in these 21 personnel packages, but so have dual back sets with... Miles Gaskin and, and Mark Walton or Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake, they're going to run plenty of 21 personnel this year, and it's not going to be just fullbacks. Number 14, the last bullet point on this list, Jesse Davis, the tackle tryout. He was a tackle in college, kind of a positionless mutt through his first two years as a pro before settling into the right guard position last season, and that didn't go particularly well, but now he's out there at right tackle, a little bit vulnerable in pass protection, better in the running game, athletic enough to execute the poles like a counter tray or a play side pull and he should benefit from having the running backs help him in pass protection because you don't need to help the other side with Laramie Tunzel. All right, we're going to come back on this other side of the podcast and get to the next 10 points here on the 25 things. But first, make sure you guys check out the new rebranded Locked On NFL podcast with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and his new co-host, Brian Peacock. That's Locked On NFL, your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the one-day disconnect from Twitter is just some of the regular comments you're going to get on some of these breakdowns and people trying to play got you on your 
I suppose, evaluations. I mean, pretty much if I say something about a player that someone disagrees with, they can either say, well, it's only two games into the preseason, cool your jets, or they can say, you thought Kyler Murray was a generational talent, and here we are two games into the preseason, and it's clear that he sucks. It just works conveniently either way. That gets kind of old, but nothing gets more old than the Ryan Tannehill comparisons. My goodness, can we let this thing go with Ryan Tannehill? Every time Josh Rosen escapes a sack, I don't need to be reminded that Ryan Tannehill never did that because one, it's BS, he did do that, and two, I really don't care. He's not on the team anymore. Let's talk Miami Dolphins. Let's continue on to the 25 Things article here up on LockedOnDolphins.com, and we now move into the discouraging category, things that are kind of not sitting too well with me, and one of those things is Devontae Parker and the minor ailments he seems to pick up every single year. Now, he started off camp ripping and roaring, but he has since plateaued, and now he has this minor injury that, frankly, I don't even know what it is, but he's really kind of fallen off and missing a game, missing practices, really the emergence of Preston Williams compared, or I should say paired with this fact, really is concerning going forward for Devontae Parker. Number 16, Chris Reed. Any day now, bud. You got that demotion on day number three in training camp, and he has not been back with the ones since that time. Now, I do understand that he is cross-training as the backup center to Daniel Kilgore. He's going to have to come off the bench and play that spot at some point this year. Kilgore misses games every single year. But I thought that the intelligence and the instincts, he could play above replacement level at right guard if you had a good tackle and a good center next to him, which... Maybe this team doesn't have, but I thought that Chris Reed would be a starter on this team, and maybe he still will be, but right now, he's a backup. Number 17, Jalen Davis, not picking up where he left off last year. I was very excited about the growth and development of this UDFA from last season. He had that big game against the Jaguars, but he's been very quiet, getting beat on third-team reps with the defense. That's not a good sign for him. Probably back to the practice squad for Jalen Davis. Number 18, Matt Hawk. He's 27th in punt average in preseason. He was 25th last year. And I don't know a whole lot about punting, but I know that's not good. We've got a few more things, and they all fall under the bad category. Offensive line, we know about that. The only pro on this list consistently has been number 78, and that leads us into point number 20. Dave DeGugliamo, he was supposed to be an upgrade, the expert of this offensive line, but they're still struggling to communicate properly, to pick up stunts and games on the inside, and the backup units have been an utter disaster against other backup players for the Bucks and Falcons. Number 21, another offensive line. The swing tackle position is a swing and a miss. Jordan Mills, Jared Jones-Smith, whoever it's been, we don't have a swing tackle on this roster, and they might have to go find one on the scrap heap. Number 22, the secondary is paper thin. We talk about the top six guys on this roster, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bobby McCain, Rashad Jones, and TJ McDonald. Well, you need about eight, nine, maybe even 10 defensive backs for this scheme to work that can play on any given Sunday. The Patriots have that. This scheme is similar. The Dolphins only have six. They're going to have to add some more bodies to this group next year or get improvement out of guys like Jamal Wiltz, Jalen Davis, and the like. Moving on to number 23, Rashad Jones, just kind of cashing checks at this point, sitting out with an injury, missed a lot of time due to injuries over the last three seasons. He hasn't played that well recently. He took himself out of the game last year. He ran with the second team defense pretty much throughout the few days that he was healthy in training camp, and he is just perfectly content to do that, and I have that on good authority, so don't come at me and say that I'm wrong. I'm just reporting what I've heard. Number 24, Kenyon Drake, 
Time is running thin for this guy right now. If he doesn't get back and get healthy, a contract year, and the Dolphins are being discreet about the severity of this injury. Sounds like it could be a while, quote unquote, under Brian Flores, or he could be back by week one. But one thing is for certain, Kenyon Drake needs a consistent, strong showing for 17 weeks to get a new contract out of this team. And number 25, another guy, a starter who is injured right now. More health concerns for Raekwon McMillan. He entered camp as a second team backer, earned some first team work, plenty of packages that really adhere to what McMillan does best or benefit what he does best. And he's going to be a part of this defense. But right now, he needs to get healthy and get out there because a lot of young linebackers on this roster coming up for some reps behind Raekwon McMillan. So all 25 things we learned through 25 days, check it out, LockedOnDolphins.com. And before I get out of here, I want to talk about one last thing, and it's the message of Brian Flores, which is to try hard, play harder than everybody else, be the best conditioned team, play within the scheme, do your job, and to reward the guys that do that, who do it the best, the most consistent, and the guys that show leadership and are good teammates. And that's the message, the mantra, the underlining philosophy of how they're going to build this organization. And I do believe that that can work. And a singular message like that in any organization, in any sport, is the key to successful team building. And it can work, but I worry that it might not extend beyond a few years. And far be it for me, a Dolphins fan or journalist, to complain about sustained success when there's only been two pop-up seasons of a modicum of success over the last two decades. But that message can be difficult to sustain long-term. Think about the fallout between the Legion of Boom and that Seahawks defense and Pete Carroll. All about competition, doing stuff for your teammates, and being a team guy first. It can kind of wear thin after a few years. And as a Dolphins beat guy told me, every team has 53 individual franchises within the team, of course the players, and to get all of those guys on this team first thought process is just much easier said than done, but I am willing to see if Flores can do it. I think he can, but it will be a challenge. Don't just believe it's all going to be rainbows and unicorns because he says these things. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to execute it. And that's going to be the challenge for Brian Flores to get this message drilled into these guys' heads and get complete buy-in from the entire roster, coaching staff, everybody involved in the organization. That's Flores' goal. That's Flores' mission. That's the task he's been charged with, getting complete buy-in from this entire roster. Okay, that's going to be my time on today's podcast. We're going to have plenty more for you guys tomorrow talking about the PFF numbers. I watched the Baltimore Ravens game. We're going to break that down more in depth in terms of the Dolphins' week one opponent. We've got game three of the preseason this week. We'll break that down, of course, for you guys later in the week with a recap podcast on Friday. And then next week, we're going to have the fourth preseason game. Then it's time to go for reals as the Dolphins are only less than three weeks now away from that opener against the Baltimore Ravens. But as for today... I'm going to go ahead and check out of here. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. I'm out the door with that drone and peas. Scooping up Chris and I'm hitting the freeway. Yeah. Got a whole zip of that perk. Got a couple hoes home with no clothes on. Get a roll on. Let's twerk.